You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. I now present to you, Jeff. Jeffrey. For this, I'm Jeffrey. Okay, then I present to you Jeffrey Dahmer in his command performance. Out of the way, Dahmer. Dumbass. I wish I had a best friend. Jeff's a little off, you know? I think he's kind of hilarious. Hey, Jeff, do you want to come sit at our table? I think we should form a fan club. With you as our fearless leader, we can really disrupt this school. Everybody ready? It's been difficult with your mother, so I moved into a motel. Take a deep breath. Are you okay? Hey, Dahmer, what's in the bag? You seem healthy to me. What about what's on a patient's mind? I need to talk about Jeff. What is this? You don't know about the kids because you're not at home anymore. I see things in you that I don't like about myself. I want you to have friends in ways that I never could. I thought you stopped. Darn always told me what to do, just like you, just like you. I like bones. It interests me what's inside. God, Dahmer, you are such a freak. He's not a sideshow attraction. We're just having fun, you know? Get out of your shell. You need to be more normal. I'm just like anybody else. Hey, folks, it's Mike White coming at you with a bonus interview. This is Mark Myers talking about his film, My Friend Dahmer, which is now playing nationwide. We actually talked about My Friend Dahmer, the graphic novel, on the episode Kissed back in, uh, well, that was April of 2017. I guess we were kind of anticipating this film a little bit as well. So definitely check that out and check out the film, like I said, now playing nationwide across the U.S. And when I spoke to Mr. Meyer, first I asked him, when it came to adapting My Friend Dahmer, how did he decide how much to make it Jeff Dahmer's story versus Durf's story, which it kind of more is in the graphic novel? Well, like, honestly, the first draft was kind of, I guess you could call it like a vomit draft. Like, I just had the book. I had a, a crude outline that I had taken from the book, and I sort of had those both laying out on the desk with me, and I just tried to figure out a way through the story. And then when I had that on paper... I could look at it in conjunction with my producing partner, Jody Giorgenti. We have a production company together, and we also had partnered with Adam Goldworm, who's a producer and a manager out in L.A. And at that point, we could really uh, discuss kind of how it was different. It needed to be different than the book. And one of the big things was compressing the timeline. Most high school movies are take place like leading up to the prom or graduation or losing your virginity or something like that. So it's usually like a one school year kind of journey. And so we had to 
condensed the timeline so it wasn't such an epic story, but something that really took place over a little bit more than one school year. And then also, how do you personify some things that may not exist in another person, like his um, his homosexual, closeted homosexual um, thoughts and attractions beyond the neighborhood jogger, but just maybe even to a fellow schoolmate? You know, that might not have been chronicled in the book, but I think that the audience needed to sort of see that in a way through another character. There are certain dramatic devices, and I would restructure the story um, to make sure it was hitting sort of things that were unique for drama because a book works in a different way. And so there's just a lot of rewriting, and through that process, I found a way to, you know, bring in my own memories of high school and humor. And the other, the, the other big thing that I really came out of is we knew we, the movie needed to have a sort of a nurture versus nature, you know, kind of dialogue going on that's implied and very much in the book, too. But I had the creative space to show the home life in more detail and to sort of focus the book away from Durf's sort of modern lens and just place it completely in 1977 and 78 and, and, and really tell it from Jeff's perspective more because that's the thing that is of most interest to all of us, including the author. It's just how did this kid spiral out of control? So, you know, it's just about distilling down the spirit of the book, I suppose. Now, how much of your own story did you find or did you present in the Dahmer story? Because you're a child of the 70s. You're a child of divorce. Obviously, you must find some sympathy. You can't make a monster, and the Dahmer that you that you portray is not necessarily a monster. So how do you kind of balance what he becomes versus what he is and then – uh, like I was saying, what, what, what's that kind of reflection of you in there? Do you see any of yourself in the story? It is him. I've created a character that is honest to who we all, the best we understand from a first-person account from Durf of what Jeff was like then, right? And I see myself in all of the characters, even the parents, like in the fact that I wrote them, right? I will say that where I see myself is mostly in maybe some of the dialogue and just, you know, because if it wasn't recalled and shared through the book by Durf, the other dialogue needed to come from somewhere. And so it, it was coming from the character. But I just do remember as teenagers, the kind of like off kilter jokes that we told each other, the way in which we joked around as friends, the way we raced to the car and called shotgun, which is something that Jeff did or Durf and his friend did as well. So uh, I found just a lot of parallels. My parents divorcing, it was almost like I just felt like there was a parallel timeline that I could relate to and believe that the story was something that I could tell. So Jeff is Jeff. I'm just sort of a little bit in everything, in in all of these characters as a storyteller, but that's the case with any writer director, I think. How easy or difficult was it to get this project made? I mean, were people clamoring to make a teenage serial killer movie? There, you know, there was some pushback in the beginning that's, oh, not another script about a serial killer. There's sort of that knee-jerk reaction when the, the script was first being shared. And uh, the book started to blaze a path of, you know, awards that we could point to and be like, no, this is a unique story. You don't take our word for it. Look at the source material. But at every point, like with any independent film, the hardest part is just like getting, you know, making it a reality from a script and getting the financing was a struggle. Finding the actors was 
was somewhat of a struggle. I have to say that, you know, most of these teenagers are probably reading most a different kind of story than this one. They're either reading mostly dystopian journeys or superhero stories or or kids that talk super smart all the time, I guess is what I was hearing from meeting with a lot of these young actors. And they found that this was unique in the, in, in the way in which it was sharing an experience that they weren't even familiar with because a lot of them didn't even know about Jeff Dahmer as a infamous person from history. There was struggles, but it's, it's hard now that the movie's about to come out in the theaters to like look back and be like, this one was harder than the rest. I feel like they're all hard. Tell me a little bit about that casting process because Ross Lynch just nails it and does such a great job. Casting is like so much the most like one of the most important things. It's it's the tone, it's the aesthetic of your film. It's so much coming through the your acting choices because what are people doing generally? Most of the time, they're looking into the eyes of these actors on screen and and seeing if they connect to what they're feeling. So you really got to find people that you you know can carry the movie. For me as a director, I, I'm always looking for actors that I believe are right for the role, but then I also look to see if they're versatile as actors, that they can pivot on the material quickly to another approach if we need to, and not just keep giving it in the same way over and over again. So that's the kind of thing I audition, is their versatility, because that's important when you're you know, out in the woods or somewhere and you're trying to figure out how to make a scene sometimes very quickly. And if it's not going right on take one, you want to be able to make an adjustment and know that they can adjust with you. For Jeff, you know, I must have met with over a hundred young actors. Many of them I knew didn't look like Jeff, a Jeff Dahmer. But when I met with Ross, he was one of a few that could potentially be, you know, the likeness of Jeff. And also um, he's a dancer and a singer and, and a consummate performer and really professional from his Disney past. So I knew that he could get the posture, the gait, the nuances of the story, and then he was looking to break away from sort of his previous work. And then he auditioned like everybody else, and we got to spend a couple hours in a rehearsal space one afternoon in New York when he came through the city. And with the camera on, I get to mess around with a bunch of the scenes and just sort of see how versatile he was and really saw how deep he could go into the character so quickly. And I already had a really good feeling and had locked into him as our as our lead, but it was also at the same time then proved to everyone else around us that this was a really unique choice. The way that he carries his body is amazing, especially the way he walks with his arms straight down all the time. I mean, you know, in the book, Durf talks about Jeff being someone that was uncomfortable in his own skin for obvious reasons. You know, he's dealing with all kinds of demons. Um, and maybe Durf realizes that's unusual, more looking back at his experience. I'm not really sure if he thought it was as weird of a gate when they were friends because it was just a kid they grew up with and knew. But um, there's enough video footage from YouTube of the actual Jeff that uh, Ross could glance at before we started filming to sort of find a way to create that posture. And once he found the posture, before every take, once we're getting ready, I would see him roll into that posture and just get ready and wait for the for the take to begin. He just would totally just drop into that that role. Was there any fear of making Jeffrey Dahmer too sympathetic of a character, knowing that he went on to do such horrific things, but in the movie, 
for the most part, he is someone that you care about and you almost want to take home and coddle and just be like, it's okay, you don't have to go down this path. Well, that's the purpose of the story, I think. I mean, uh, uh, there's so many ways to answer this question, but look, he was a human being like everybody else. He rode a school bus. He had a family. His parents argued. He wanted friends. You know, he wanted to go to the prom. He tried to get good grades. He, his humanity started to slip away. And he's not the first and definitely not the last troubled young white male who has gone on to do some horrible things. And I thought that what makes this story relevant is by safely looking at someone from our historical recent past, we may be able to look a little bit at our own situation and realize that it's a cautionary tale about how does a young, troubled, misunderstood kid slip through the cracks. And so what I try to do is demonstrate all of the forces at play, both personally within him and around him, that help create a storm that allows this kind of person to, to emerge from. All of the... Doors that could have helped him had closed, and all of the ones that allowed for his ghastly proclivities and evilness to emerge opened up. And unfortunately, he's not alone in, in that, and, and the, the, it's a cautionary tale. And it's a real person that existed. What were some of your biggest challenges when you were actually making the film? Yeah, I mean, it was an ambitious script in the amount of games that we were budgeted to do it, and so I was always dealing with how do you make it through the day and get all the footage I, I, I believe that I need to get into the edit room and, you know, and, and put together a movie. So it was, it was, and how do you do something, you know, beautiful and poetic and, and honest at the same time that there's, you know, a, a click, a ticking clock every day from the moment I got there and every second matters. So that, that was just the real, that was the real challenge, but that's a challenge with, I think, any independent film. There's just no free time to relax. But if you come prepared, which I've learned to do better and better with storyboards and shot lists and, 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 and a great crew around you and, and really trusting the production design department and the costume and the camera department and your first AD, if you just, you know, you put your trust in these people and you've hired the right people that can help you get through, you know, get through it all, then you just, I just can focus on the directing and working with the actors. It's got to be one thing to make a film set in present day, but you capture that time of 77, 78 so well that that has to be such another challenge when it comes to what you're talking about, the costumes, the props, the music, all of these things that just add probably more and more complications to it from the beginning of the story I, it was so much fun to just you know I, I grew I was a kid in the 70s and I went to high school and graduated you know in the late 80s so uh, or in 1990 so I remember the 70s vaguely as a kid more like the younger brother's age it just is so rich with detail and color but there's so in, in when I was writing the script you I would spend a lot of time looking at photographs from the 70s to sort of just you know, trigger my memory of that, that flavor of what it felt like to be there. And I started gathering a huge collection of photography. The National Archives on Flickr has a huge gathering of photographs from Midwestern 
uh, high schools from the 70s. And that was something that I used in some presentations and shared the, those photograph, photographs with our production design costume and even the car department, the transportation department. And from there, with their own experience and their own understanding of the 70s, we were, we were just dead set on trying to be authentic to the 70s and not try to create some disco error 70s, you know, just try to show the real 70s as the way we all remembered it as kids. The film could have gone over the edge so many times, whether Anne Heche gives gives an amazing performance, whether she becomes too unhinged, whether it becomes too kitschy of a look, whether Dahmer becomes too much of a maniac, just so much restraint that you show in this film. It was remarkable. Each actor you work with in a different way, uh, the way that they they... You get into their space and how they want to prepare for a scene. But one thing I told Anne, as you mentioned her, is I I told her I view her as like a a storm front or a different weather front every single time and that the rest of the family doesn't know what kind of mom they're going to get when they see her in the house. They're not sure if they're going to get a happy mom, a depressive mom, you know, an acerbic or a chafing mom. And it was that sort of that uneasiness that of her unpredictability that was the, the thing that I, we felt was the core of her character. And that gave her the comfort to be able to go to all these different kind of moods and know she was still being Joyce Dahmer at the same time. That was just like one example of, you know, just the process, I suppose. Kind of a nerdy question. Would she play the same way every take or would she vary it from take to take as far as what type of person she was? Well, each scene, we kind of knew what kind of, let's say, weather front it was, you know, or kind of the mood we were in. But it's Anne. So I think in any actor, but she's full of energy and she's really just a force. There's just things that would be different every single time. And uh, it's almost like you kind of just keep developing and gaining and, and pushing the extremes of the scene with her. And then when you feel like you've gone for a little too far, you might pull it back. But we, we kind of just were all in sync to with each other. So one of those like little details that I don't really remember how it all changed as much as I just remember that we were kind of like we connected and we were we sort of understood what was working and what wasn't working before we went again. Mark Myers, thank you so much for your time today. It was a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is a joy. So once again, just a reminder, my friend Dahmer now playing nationwide, check your local listings for more information.
find it hard to tell you. I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Mad world. Children waiting for the day they feel good. Happy birthday. Happy. Very, very.